0: yo what's up everybody it's time for the in off the bench podcast i am daniel ball and i'm joined as always by my co-hosts my partners in crime my brothers from other mothers jim cross randy Jowers, and boys tonight is episode 16 titled no more locked doors because we have on lsu closer devin Fonteno. he'll be joining us to recap the lsu baseball season talk about paul manari's last season and take us into the mind of a closer who at times is like a caged animal just trying to bust out of the bullpen. As you can see, man, we got a, a huge slate of things to get to, so let's get to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, LSU closer, Devin Fontenot. Devin my man how we doing tonight good
1: appreciate you guys having me
0: man it's uh it's it's been a long time coming we've been anticipating this episode but you know just like we do with any guest, we want to get the backstory and we want to tell your story uh the right way so um you know first off for our listeners out there let's get let's get some background info from you Where, where are you from where did you grow up what was the dynamic like as a kid
1: so I grew up in a, a little small town north of Houston called Shepherd, Texas, and uh, you know grew up playing ball, um, anything with any ball like basketball, football, baseball, you name it. Uh, my my parents both uh, quit college and had me at a young age, so you know I was kind of like the the kid that that they really put their focus into at the beginning, and 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 still, I mean, obviously they still do today. So I was. I was the, the guy that was always at the ball field with my dad. And, you know, he spent a lot of time with me and all that stuff. So I did all the extracurricular activities there were. And um, eventually I moved to uh, the Woodlands, Texas, where I live now. Um,
0: I got to so, ask you something about that, man, because I, I was looking up that and I've seen a, a couple of, of incidents where, you know, Big time athletes, and you could probably name them, are from the Woodlands. It's like Ohio State calls themselves the Ohio State. That's what I picture the Woodlands area like. This very like, why why is it the Woodlands? Why isn't it just Woodlands?
1: I don't know, man. It's a, it's it's almost like it's its own city. You know, it's it you know Houston's big, and then there's a lot of cities on the outskirts of Houston. But the Woodlands is like, the the Woodlands does it the best, bro. It's like the the best township, like the best people, best places to live, best places to eat, you name it. It's all there. And so like that place really stuck out to me uh, and my family. And my, my mom does real estate and my dad worked in Houston all my life. So, you know, moving to the Woodlands almost seemed like a great opportunity as a family to like, you know, make more money and and have better opportunities so that's what we did and we just we we packed up and left our hometown that wherever everybody that we knew was and went live somewhere we met, didn't know a single person just tried to just to try to do better for ourselves and you know it worked out
0: so I'm, I'm trying to picture it man how old were you when you guys moved to the woodlands?
1: um uh, whatever age you are in seventh grade I think it's like 13 or something like that
0: okay so you You had some time, you know, prior to obviously you're. You said it yourself. You're you're getting a chance to to just kind of be a kid and and adventure and do a bunch of different sports. But, um, what sports did you play? What was was it just baseball at an early age, or was it just you tested everything?
1: Yeah, well, baseball at an early age. Yeah, I, I just grew up playing little league, like right down the down the road from the house, with like all the neighborhood kids and you know, I realized around like nine or 10 years old that I had like a good bit of talent that I needed to do something with. And so, you know, we got in contact with some people that were bringing their kids to the woodlands and that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, once, once, uh, I kind of started the, the travel ball thing, driving back and forth to the woodlands, which was about an hour drive, uh, for about three years, we, you know, that's when we decided, Hey, we, we, we better move over there. And, um, so right after my grandfather passed away in 2011, you know, we sold our house and we moved and I, I played, I played basketball and football, but not until junior high. So like I played basketball and, and football just in seventh grade I, I like competitive, like a, how do you call it? On like a school team, you know what I'm saying? I played it like, you know, around the neighborhood and stuff like that, but you know, competitively, I just played football and basketball in junior high. And then right after seventh grade, I was like, you know, I'm moving to a big school. Uh, didn't know nobody knew that there was a lot of good athletes there. So I kind of just said, I'm gonna put all my focus on baseball. And um, then so I saw I, you know, I let go with football and uh, basketball at that time.
0: So tell me about, you know. As you're a kid growing up, and you you're you're testing the water, you're trying to figure out all right, well, what what am I good at? I know baseball is an option. We're moving to Woodlands. Like I I did see an interview where it was an interview with your mom, and she like was as classy as can be, but you could tell the passion in her voice and the care that she had, and and just you could tell she's been a big influence in you. And I've never met her; I just heard her on an interview. Uh, one time. Um, Was she a big proponent of you, you know, doing whatever you can to be the best that you can by just giving you every, every option to to exceed? Um, Was dad a big influence? Was there other influences? Talk to us about that. No doubt. Like
1: I said, my, my mom's father passed away in 2011 and we sold our house and we moved away from hometown where, my, parent, my mom grew up mostly. My dad moved to Texas from Louisiana uh, in high school. And that's kind of how I got into, tech, into Texas because obviously I have the know like the Louisiana roots, the last name. So everyone always asks, like, you know, how would you get in Texas or whatever? And it's because my dad moved there in high school. And, um, well, basically, yeah, like you said, you know, we moved to the Woodlands and it was mostly like my mom saying like hey there's some opportunities over there we need to go see if we can we can take advantage of them and so we did and she you know she found a a new job a new real estate job with a big company and she works for remax and so she she's been killing it as far as that goes and my dad just kind of like you know he does his thing and he supports us and whatever he can do and he's 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 my biggest fan too so uh all in all you know i have a great family you know we We do a lot of stuff together, and it's been great.
0: So you got a younger brother, too. How important is it for you to kind of not pave a way for him, but kind of, you know, make some mistakes and kind of help him and show him, like, hey, this is how it's done, man? No doubt. Like,
1: my brother actually, I actually look up to him a lot, even though he's six years younger than me. He's a very Christian kid, Um, you know, spends the majority of his time, like, out in the community helping others and like doing all that kind of stuff. He doesn't play sports because uh, he has scoliosis. So he was diagnosed with that, you know, five, or six years ago. And so he kind of just hung up the sports and just went, went down a different path. And the, the, you know, the path that he took, like I said, he, I couldn't look up to someone better than him because of the way he like, you know, is like a leader and stuff like that. So I definitely like to do my thing on the field and you know, be a good person and stuff like that. But my brother already has like the good person in him, and he just kind of, kind of just paves the way for himself.
0: it seems like you know when, when you're the typical older sibling, you get, you know, you get that that stigma of, you know, I'm the role model, I'm the leader. But it sounds like you learn just as much from him as as he does from you. So that's that's a good dynamic to have, man. Um, you know, thinking about you as a baseball player, and just just as we've journeyed you through this season, um, we use one word for only a handful of people. And that word is electric. And every time we watch you, you know, every time we see in the pen, the word electric comes up. Um, I picture you as being the best player on all your travel teams growing up. And you know, was that the case? Or was did you have to develop and like, at what age did you say, Oh man, like I'm, I'm a little bit better than some of these other cats and I got something special.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I've played on um, some travel ball teams and I've, I've gotten some good opportunities, but it's some, it's almost like every team I've ever been, I've ever been on, including LSU, uh, including my high school team. uh, I've always been the guy that kind of, you know, you got the talent, but we don't know what he's going to be like because he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't, he never played like in this situation, so we don't know what he's going to do. So, like, I've always kind of had to like earn, earn the respect of the people, uh, whether that's the coaches, my teammates, you know, the community. Uh, and you know, thus far, I've been blessed and I've been able to do that um, with my natural ability, uh, just in the way I've been raised and the you know the 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 values that I have. So that's I've just kind of like taking taking it. Taking it to heart, almost like pitch, and do everything with a chip on my shoulder because you know there's a lot of people that doubted me, and and I just had to prove a lot of people wrong, and I'm still trying to do that.
2: So yeah, Devin, we're gonna go take it through high school for just a minute. You, you obviously you said you're you moved to the Woodlands. Do y'all emphasize the like, like Ohio State does, or it's just yeah? I woodlands? mean, I don't
1: say I live in Woodlands. I live in the Woodlands. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Woodlands. So, talking about high school is uh, you, th- where did you go to high school? For those that don't know,
1: I went to the Woodlands High School, and that is the Woodlands High School. There's the, the Woodlands, there's the Woodlands College Park, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't have went there if they paid me to go there. I was see, going to the Woodlands High School.
0: See, I knew I knew that there was another Woodlands because that's because right. the way everyone that the Woodlands they got to. Well, we have so
1: specialize. many people. We have so many people in that area and so many athletes and so many, uh, you, like I said, opportunities, uh, in that area. So they had to, they're building schools left and right. And every school there is like very competitive in sports. Um, honestly, I don't know how it is for you guys, where you, where you, where you, uh, live at and stuff like that. Some schools, like the public schools are the, you know, the, I'm not taking anything away from the private schools, but like, there's, there's certain areas that the private school kills it and the public schools don't. But, in in, th- in this case, like where I live, and like mostly around the Houston area, it's it's the public schools that are that are taking care of the business when it comes to sports.
2: Yeah, absolutely, It's a similar story. So for those that don't know, obviously a lot of rich history there. Is it a big school or a small school?
1: It's huge. I mean, I graduated with over a thousand kids. Um, I didn't even know most of the people in the top fifteen percent of my class.
2: <laughs> Never seen them before. So- Right. I understand. It was similar to that. I went to high school with both these guys. We never even knew. So we started doing these podcasts. It's crazy. But we didn't graduate with a thousand. Um, But speaking of people that you didn't know, we had somebody on the podcast several months back, uh, Kennedy Smith. She went to the Woodlands. So we're familiar. We've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely the rich history. But I was going through some of this notable alumni. And I mean, there's some there's some ballers that have been there. You know, I'm a Cardinals fan. Paul Goldschmidt. You know Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, it just the Danny Amendola. I mean, just you know, you obviously some guy Drew Romo got drafted just a couple years ago for the Rockies. So I mean, man, there's some notable alumni. Hopefully, we're, they're going to put your name on this Wikipedia page, right?
1: Yeah, that'd be sick.
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So when you you go to you go to the Woodland the Woodlands High School, what sports did you play for the high school?
1: Just baseball, and like I said, I, I hung up football. Uh, after junior high, I actually did play uh, football when I moved to the Woodlands because I moved after my seventh grade year. So I played I played uh, football in eighth grade and wanted to give it a shot. Like I went from playing quarterback in seventh grade at a small school because I had like a great arm or whatever. You know how it goes. Um, then I moved to a big school and, and I starting in eighth grade. It was there was six. There was six eighth grade football teams and so there was two there was two a teams two b teams and two c teams so like obviously i didn't want to make the c team i wanted to i want if i was going to play i wanted to be on the a team right so like coming into it but like like coming into a big school like there's a lot of uh you know there's a lot of expectations you got to be you got to be one of the best you got to stand out so you know i ended up making the the b uh, i mean the a the second a team so like not the not the best a team but the second best a team and it was good, you know. We had a good year. Uh, we actually did beat, we played, ended up playing our, our A team, like the number one A team. We beat them, so that was fun. And I played defense the whole year, I didn't even get to play offense.
2: Oh, so you were out there cracking skulls. I see, yeah. Well, I, so I went from playing
1: quarterback to to uh, cornerback.
2: <laughs> all right, on. Well, I mean, you got some size for it, you got some height, it's all good. Um, so you, obviously you're focused on baseball. You get in. You going. Is there any pressure you felt going into? Because I mean, the Woodlands they got some history in baseball. Obviously, yeah, definitely. I mean, you're going there for a reason though. You're going there to show out on a big stage. Yeah, continuing, like that, right?
1: you know, continuing what I was saying. I, I quit. I quit after eighth grade because I heard. You know, I heard that the the baseball coaches were, were interested in having me in the fall class. And in order to be in like the fall baseball class and get, you know, c- kind of get adapted to the baseball year round thing. Um, I needed to, you know, only be in one sport. So, like, I had to choose. I could either play football in the fall and just wait till January to, to, you know, flip the switch and go to baseball, or I could go, you know, start with the team in the fall and then, you know, go through the tryouts and everything like that, uh, you know, in January. And then, but just I would have a head start, you know.
2: Oh, absolutely. So that's what
1: I did. I made the choice to, you know, hang up the rest of the sports and just strictly, um, strictly baseball. And I ended up making varsity. And I was kind of like the closer my first year because we had some we had some dudes on that varsity team. They actually won the 6A or back at the time it was a 5A. Uh, they won the 5A state championship in 2013. My freshman year was 2014, and uh, we didn't get to we didn't end up winning state while I was at my time during my time. But I missed it by one year.
2: Oh man! So, but. You know, talk go, piggybacking off of that, you had four straight, like, district championships, went to the state playoffs. But, I mean, your personal accolades, right? I mean, your first team, six A pitcher, third team all-state, just kind of running through that. Is that how you saw that going, your freshman year making varsity? Or was it just kind of surreal for you?
1: I mean, it was definitely surreal. Like I said, every team I've been on, I had to kind of – I've had the talent, but I had to, you know, I had to, I had to prove a lot of people wrong. I had to prove to myself that I had it in me. And and that's what just what I did. I've I've been blessed, like I said.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if you could just pick out one season that was the best team season, what season would that be for you in high school? I'm my, I
1: think in my senior year. I mean, we made it. I don't remember. I think the third round or so. But uh, if we we were, in, I think we were in Georgetown, and we should have won the game. And if I remember correctly, we lost the game because of a ball that landed like on the fair like the foul line and I was like oh my god that's what beat us so it was it was a tough tough in the tough way to go out but I knew I was already committed to LSU and I was I was looking forward to that and I had a you know I had a lot of things to get ready for so
2: absolutely so does that mirror your best personal season as well your senior season
1: oh definitely not um my best personal I had to change a lot of things when I got to college. You know, I had I had some success in high school, but when I got here, like I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, like I thought I was going to be like at the bottom of the tot- totem pole, like, like I said, earn my earn my keep, you know. And I got put into some situations that I probably wasn't ready for. And you know, I had some had some bad days, but I also had some good days. But obviously, the highlight of my college my baseball career has been that that game that game on my in my sophomore year against florida state and that year too like i, I just had a i had an up and down year but at the same time i met a lot of challenges and and I, I proved to myself like a lot of things that i needed to to do so come and then i was able to go into my junior year which would have been my draft year with like the most confidence i've ever had as a baseball player so
2: no absolutely trial by fire that's the best way to learn so Going back to sticking in high school for just a second, you know, when you were in high school playing for the team, did you play any travel ball like in the sun, summers or anything? Was it just all high school baseball?
1: No, I definitely played some travel ball, you know, perfect game, all that stuff. Um, but, like, the ultimate goal was to, to go to LSU the whole time. Um, so, I, I got lucky, and I I ended up getting asked to, to play for uh, – or not play, but I got asked to do a tryout for the area code games. So, I – I went to the tryout and I made um, like the underclass team. They had like two different teams, like the underclass and the upper class. But I made the underclass team and I went up there and did did my thing. And then that's whenever, you know, LSU called and wanted me to come to a camp. So I went to the camp and then committed right after. So.
2: Right, that's a, that's gonna be my next question. When did that become a reality, and kind of when did LSU kind of get on the radar? But you went right into it. So obviously, yeah. you come in your freshman year, you make varsity. But when you make that varsity team, do you know then, like I'm I'm gonna play college ball at a D1 level?
1: No, not at all, <laughs> not at all, not at not at the Woodlands. I mean, like I said, like my whole team was my whole team was pretty stacked, and and I and I and I was like, man, I don't even know how I made varsity. First of all, um, but like I said, going through the fall with the baseball team instead of playing football in the fall was a big help. And, you know, I look back on it and I was like, what if I wouldn't have, what, I, what if I would have played football, would it be different? So I'm glad, ultimately glad I made the decisions I made because I, w- I wouldn't be here, I don't think.
2: Yeah. One more question. I'll turn you over to Jim. You, you mentioned that you got targeted by LSU, you, you commit on the spot, but what other colleges had interest in you?
1: Man, it's hard to remember. Like, but if I can remember a couple, it's like UT, and um, Arizona actually, Coach Jay Johnson was at Arizona, and he recruited me from, to Arizona at the time. So, like, that's pretty crazy. But, um, you know, a couple others. But, like, you know, that's besides the point.
3: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He just asked because, you know, for you it was a no, it was a no-brainer. But sometimes there's other schools that come knocking, and you know, you really got to think it through. But for you, LSU was oh, it.
1: Arkansas. I forget Arkansas was one, and actually, Arkansas gave me the biggest scholarship at the time, and and it was a hard decision to pass up the money, um, but like I said, I always wanted to prove, I always wanted to prove that, like, hey, you know, you didn't give me, like, what I think that I, that I need to, like, be able to make ends meet over here, but, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove, I'm gonna prove you wrong, and, like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get, like, something out of it, you know, I'm, that's, that's just what I had to do, so I, I basically went to the school that gave me the least amount of scholarship, but, like, I knew that, like, I was doing the right thing,
3: yeah. It sounds like you had it all mapped out and it was the right decision. Cause um, I mean your career and we're fixing to get into it, but let's talk about it, man. When you arrived to Baton Rouge, what was it like when you got to campus? Were you excited? Were you nervous?
1: I was excited. I was excited. Actually, I graduated high school. Um, and the next day I was in Baton Rouge. Um, so it was a quick turnaround. I already had my stuff packed. Um, you know, all my friends knew I was leaving. They had my back and, I was coming over here and just trying to get in summer school take you know get a head start in school and um, also get a head start in the weight room and all that stuff. So that way whenever fall baseball rolled around I was ready to go. So that's what I had to do and it, it worked out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we had Cade Beloso on here, and we asked him what it was like the first time he stepped out in the Alex box, and he said he couldn't have been more nervous. What about you, man? First time you stepped out on that field, were, were, you,
1: ner- were you nervous? <laughs> yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous for sure. I mean, just to picture, like, all the people that's going to be in those stands, like, and and all the the history and all that stuff that, you know, playing on that field means to people, it, it's a lot to take in. It really is. Uh, but the guys, that can, the guys that can take it in and, and, and feed off of that, is the guy that can do well.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're going to get into your freshman season. And, you know, you actually just painted a picture that's perfect, right? So you decided to tell us about the Arkansas thing that I didn't know about, but your first win freshman year comes May 5th against Arkansas. You went three scoreless innings. Man, how did that feel not only to get your first win, but now apparently against Arkansas, who, you know, there was a backstory to?
1: Yeah, at the time I wasn't, at the time I didn't think about that. Uh, if I remember right, against Arkansas, there was a bunch of lefties on that team. And at the time, I was struggling facing left handed hitters. I was like t- – left-handed hitters was hitting like 100, 100 points higher than like righties were hitting off me or something like that. So I'm pretty sure Coach put me in that game to, to like to, – to show me – to tell me that like, hey, you need to go figure out how to, to, to get these lefties out if you want to keep pitching. So that's what I had to do. And I remember that being like a turning point for me. Um, as far as, like, being able to not worry about if they're in their left left box or the right box. You just have to pitch them the same.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And so, I mean, you seem to find a groove. And, you know, the SEC tournament, man, to, to do three scoreless innings against Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Florida, I mean, you know, you talked about that chip on your shoulder, you know, going go to Hoover and, you know, clearly not being scared of that stage against all those teams. I mean, talk to me about that experience experience as a freshman
1: yeah my freshman year at in hoover was probably like the the best experience obviously it was my first time doing that and and everyone like always talks about the sec tournament the sec tournament it's like omaha and then right behind that the sec tournament so like I, got, I i was really looking forward to it and and like i said anytime coach coach gave me the ball i was going to go in there and and show everybody like hey you know, you want, you want to put me in the game. You can count on me. Um, so like, I I think I pitched like, like we were there for like six days or something. And I pitched like four days out of the six. So it was crazy. Not that my arm was like, you know, in that good of shape to hold to withstand all those innings. Um, but, but I'm, I'm glad that I was able to do that because it was just a lot of fun and it was good to help get our team to the championship game. I believe, um, in sem semifinal or championship, one of the two, but it it was good.
3: Yeah, y'all made it to the championship that year. But yeah, you know, that's something that I noticed as I I look throughout your career stats and your games, your arms seem to get stronger. You able to go more and more innings. And um, you know, at, you know, I look at it at a certain point, and we're gonna get to that game that you talked about for state. I mean, I feel like you could go the whole nine if you had to. But, uh, you know, June 1st in the NCAA regional, you get the victory against San Diego State and, uh, you know, first postseason victory. And, you know, we're going to get to it later against what happened this year. But you seem to like to pitch in the uh, state of Oregon. Is, it, is that correct? Because you did you did well there that year as
1: well. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the plan wasn't to get sent to Oregon either of those years, but that's just what happened. Uh, we did it to ourselves. You know, we so we had to go – we had to go there and we had once again, we had to prove to everybody that like, hey, you know, we're, we're better than better than than what people think we are. You know, we should have been hosting, but we didn't. And so we had to go to Oregon both times. Uh, I was I was glad we didn't have to go back to Corvallis, though.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right. So let's get into the sophomore year and, uh, you know, Man, you know, I can't even – I can't even wait. But before we get into your individual accomplishments and and the things you did, let's talk about the team because you were just talking about y'all didn't do what you expected to do freshman year. You know, what were the team expectations going into your sophomore season? I mean, I feel like it was national championship all the way, right? Yeah,
1: obviously, uh, compared to, like, that 2017 team. like, And, and, you know, throwing it back at high school, like I said, I missed the state championship by one year well, I missed, I missed going to Omaha by one year as well. They went the year before I got here. Uh, So it's kind of ironic, you know, and I still feel like I got a lot to prove. Um, But obviously that team uh, in 2018, you know, we were, we had, we were, had a lot of talent, uh, but we didn't live up to the LSU expectations. Um, You know, some things, some people might say it was like injuries or, or this or that, but all in all, we had we had the team to do it, and we didn't. So we're going into my sophomore year in 2019. We we knew that like if we did did all the right things, everybody stayed healthy, like we were going to make a run. And so when we got when we got able to when we got that opportunity to host uh, the regional, you know, we were like, okay, we're about to win this regional. I mean, yeah, we're about to win this regional, and then Georgia's going to get beat by Florida State, and they're coming here, and we're going to beat up on them, and then we're going to go to Omaha, and so. That's exactly what what happened, other than we lost the games <laughs> to Florida State. Uh, so once again, the chip stays on your shoulder. Like, even if you were to win those games, like I'm I'm not saying I lose the my edge if I win if I'm winning, but um, you know, it's it sucked to like do that well as a team and and as a as an individual, uh, and still come up on the losing side. So like you just have to like sit back and think, like, hey, you know you know, how I look at it personally is like, God put us in that situation and, you know, he let us fail because he's preparing us for like when we have that victory.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you can only do your part and, you know, it's a team game, but, you know, you had the the save against Southern Miss that, that punched that ticket, you know, to that Super Regional against Florida State. And then obviously we know about the career high outing with the sixth and third. Let me tell you, man, I live in North Mississippi, Devin, and, you had a bunch of guys that were not LSU people just fired up. You're, you know, Daniel talked about that electric, you know, attitude that you have on the mound and you were so pumped and it's so engaged. And, you know, you were hearing the commentators talk, how long can he go? How long can he go? And it was three innings, four innings, five innings, and you're just striking out. You got 11 strikeouts. And, you know, we asked Kate about that. What was it like, you know, standing over there watching that? And he said it was the probably the greatest performance he's ever seen on the mound in his time there. And so, you know, Obviously, it doesn't end the way you want, but, you know, that still has to be, you know, you said it was the highlight, you know, career uh, or part of your career there. I mean, it still had to feel amazing even coming off in the loss, right?
1: Yeah, it did. Like I said, like, our, season, it's, our season came up short, and I just had to, I just had to uh, you know, realize that, you know, not everybody makes it to Omaha, and, you know, only eight teams make it. And so you got to be really special. And it took us, it takes a special uh, effort and a special, special talent to, to get there. And I mean, like we said, like I said, we had it, uh, but it still takes even more. So, you know, I haven't been there yet, obviously. And I, I, I think I know what it takes to get there. And and we just been a little bit, little bit short. But, yeah, but I, I, I know, I know how I'm going to, I know how I'm going to help these guys understand what it takes to get there. Because I think I got it. I think I know what it takes.
3: Absolutely. That sounds good. We're going to get into that. So we're not going to spend much time on 2020. There's no point, COVID season. But, I I mean, you know, I do want to mention that you did have a win and a four saves, you know, in the short time before the season cut out. So, you know, it seemed like you were still in a groove and everything. I mean, so the only question I really got is, you know, what what was that like for you personally, just to have the the season kind of just pulled out from underneath you like that?
1: I mean, it's kind of hard to find the right words for that. Obviously. It, it completely turned the way I expected my time at LSU to go um, and kind of how everyone expected my time at LSU to go. Um, but I just had to realize once again, that God was doing something in my life that I, I can't really control. And I just got to trust in him. So like I had to make the decision whether I wanted to to have my time at LSU done in that, that short of time, or if I wanted to come back and and give it one more run. So that's what I did. And And I made that decision to to, to turn down the money and come back. And I'm glad I did because I I came back. I came back and, you know, we didn't have a phenomenal year. But once again, no one expected us to make a Super Regional this year. And we did it. So we proved a lot of people wrong once again. Um, And not everybody can make it to a Super Regional. And we did it.
3: Yeah, and the first thing I want to ask you in regards to that, because you said not everyone expected you, a lot of people didn't, and and the reason for that was the loss of Jaden Hill. I mean, talk to me about that. You know, being a teammate and you know being a fellow pitcher, what it was like losing a guy like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jaden's a special talent, and uh, I've been seeing him, you know, do his work and do his stuff for three years, or uh, I guess you call it two and a half years, but he he's had some, you know, he's had some struggles, but you know, when he's, when he's, when he's on his stuff, when he's, when he's healthy, like he, he's unbelievable and it's, and it's awesome to watch. So, you know, I wish him all the best of luck and whatever he's doing next. I'm, I'm sure everybody knows what he's going to be doing next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Absolutely. So, you
3: know, let me ask you this question, you know, in regards to this year not going the way it went. And, you know, we, we know because of COVID, there was a there was a lot of guys, um, you know, playing that wouldn't have been playing that would have been in, in pro ball had there not been five rounds. And so with that, I feel like it's easy to say that the SEC was the best it ever was. Would you would you agree with that statement?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that 100 percent.
3: And so, with when you look at, you know, you know, talk about it,
1: even though the SEC is better than everybody every other year anyway, but it just made it even more, it just made it even more competitive.
3: But it felt like half the league was, you know, pro ballers, right? Like, so, I mean, and so, I mean, would you say between that and, you know, not making excuses, but obviously injuries and stuff? I mean, you know, when, you know, you had an under 500 record in the SEC, it's just, I mean, the SEC was just that good, right?
1: No doubt. No doubt. I mean, we knew what, when we knew what it was going to take to win. Against those guys, and we and we had the ability to do it, and some games we did it, and some games we didn't. So we just have to we just have to uh, figure out a way to win those close games for the most part. All
3: right, so I got to ask you a question. It's a fun one, Randy. My my man over there is a diehard Tennessee fan. That series, and I'm not talking about postseason. I'm talking I'm talking about the one in the re- regular season. The guy got a little rivalry brewing. What happened there, man?
1: Um. From what I can remember, they were obviously having a, a pretty good year uh, to start out, and I, like I said, I, I can't remember it too well because we didn't, we didn't do too well, so I try to forget about it. But they had a lot of fans at their games, man. They, they try to make the their games as hostile as possible, and you know I respect that. Uh, the fans are passionate, and and every every fan should be. So like they had a good year, and and I know that they they're going to try to turn that program into something that it's not not always been. So you know, I respect that. I tip my cap to him for that.
3: Man, what a professional. I love it. You, you kept it, kept it nice and polite. So let's let's get back to being in the state of Oregon, man. Let's get to the let's get to those regionals. Y'all had your back against the wall. Like you said, everyone doubted you. So it wasn't even just you with the chip on your shoulder. It's the whole team. Everybody's thinking LSU's out of this thing. And then you win every game. Um, you know, that you have to win to, to advance the super regionals. Just talk, talk to us about what the, the emotions were like, not just for you, but for the whole team winning game after game. It was awesome. I mean, we,
1: we felt like we were playing LSU baseball. and We were playing the right way and uh, nobody, nobody in that regional, especially, but nobody in the, nobody in the country can compete with us when we're playing at that level. So, um it, it was good that we had a lot of confidence and we had a lot of confidence going into Tennessee. But like I said, like it was like, like the highlight of their, 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 their careers to, to do what they did this year over there at Tennessee. So I tip my cap to them once again
3: well and uh, you know i told you about the the being in the in the bar story in north mississippi watching you against florida state well this time i'm with daniel in tampa and we happened to be at a bar where they didn't have the game on and we had to we had the request to get the game on and didn't anybody act like they wanted to watch baseball in this bar but we got you on there and uh i ended up sending you that clip we got to watch you get the save against oregon and so uh That was cool. And, uh, you know, we were watching y'all and there was no doubt in our mind that because that was the first of the the two games that you had to beat Oregon. There was no doubt in the way y'all were playing, like you said. um, Y'all were going to beat them again and y'all were going to advance. And, uh, you know, not going to hit on the Super Regionals too much, like you said. Tennessee just had a a really good season and you already tipped your cap to them. So, um, you know, I actually got to see them in Omaha and I was really surprised with them going out the way they did. But i uh, got two more questions, and then I'll let, uh, I'll let Daniel take over and play a game with you and go a little more lighthearted. Um, the first being a, you know, a real big serious question for you because uh, your coach, you know, announces your re- retirement. Tell, tell us all what Coach Maneri meant to you, man.
1: Okay, I'm glad you asked that because, like, you know, a lot of people – a lot of people feel certain ways about Coach Maneri, and a lot of people feel that he's a, a legend and that he did all this stuff. Well, he is. He's a legend he he's one of the best to ever do it and and if you don't agree with that then you don't then you don't watch baseball well enough but um anyway coach Maneri coach Maneri has given me a lot of opportunity obviously and he I've kind of been the guy that he's he's went to um I I had to I had to earn that and like I said I met some challenges like you know in my sophomore year that that was I was able to 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 be able to get the ball more than I maybe thought I was going to get it and so like I, I'm thankful to him for 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 believing in me and challenging me and uh, wanting to see me reach my fullest potential. Because like if I if I wouldn't have gotten that from Coach Maneri, I definitely wouldn't be sitting in this chair talking to you guys today for sure.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I said, you know, I said I wasn't nothing about Tennessee, but you talked about y'all's relationship. It seemed like, you know, in that in that second game where, you know, basically the the score was lopsided. You know, he really wanted to get you in there one more time. Is that yeah. what I'm understanding? Right. Yeah, that's
1: the, that's that's the that's the truth and nothing but the truth. Like he didn't want he if, if that's my last my last game at LSU, he wanted me to get out get in there and be able to be able to throw that throw a pitch one more time in the purple and gold. So I'm glad he was able to do that for me. Um and obviously it wasn't a good feeling, uh, but it was at the same time. So that's really all I gotta say.
3: Yeah, no. All right. So that leads me to the last question, you know, you know, what's next, you know, I mean, you, you talked about didn't go to the draft the last time. I mean, um, are you preparing for it right now? You feel confident that's the way you're going or are you, are you come back to LSU or is it just all up in the air?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's a little bit up in the air right now. Uh, obviously I feel that I feel confident. I feel like I'm like the best um, I've been in the last four years of my career, five, six years of my career. I'm, I'm at my best, um, and, I, and I'm mentally prepared, physically prepared, all that, and I've grown up a lot. So, like, I'm ready for whatever it is, whatever it's going to be. Um, and I, I, like I said, I, I got to trust in God and what he has planned for me. And so next week we'll find out uh, when my phone rings and what the, whatever, I, whatever I get and if, if it's okay for me, and, I'm a, and then I'm going to go for it and because I know that, that that's going to be what's in my heart that I need to do. Um, but if it's not if, – if I don't feel that, then I think you know what's going to happen after that.
2: Hey, Devin, before DB takes over, I, I wasn't going to tell you as a Tennessee fan. I didn't want you to, like, hate me or nothing like that. But you mentioned uh, Coach Maneri, and as a Tennessee fan, have been for a long time, and you're right, gone through a lot of rough years. But, no, he is a legend. So, as a guy that definitely root for guys like you and Cade Beloso and, and Jaden, all those guys, uh, the, the emotion, you know, it felt so real – and it's like here I am hoping that my team wins, but I like I felt I was sad. Like, damn, that's not the way that a legend should go out. Like, and I know that's not how anybody saw it going, but I had to stop. And it, it took me out of being a fan of that team for a second to just appreciate all that you know Paul Menard accomplished, and he's a legend in the truest sense of the word.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, that's that's true. Exactly what you
2: said. All right, DB, it's you now.
0: All right, Devin, man. I think we got a really good story, man. That's that's a lot of stuff that, you know, when we do the research, you know, we don't find out and you bringing it to light, man, it just sheds even more layers to an awesome story that that we're getting from you. Um, But before we let you bounce, we're going to play a game that we play with all of our guests. It's called this or that. You down to play? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So it's real simple. I give you two options and you have to choose one option or the other. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. All right. Typically, uh, we, we've come out the gates with a, a softball style question, but I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm going right in, you know, for the jugular. So here we go. First question, would you rather spend five years in jail or 10 years in a coma?
1: Five years in jail.
0: That'd be a rough five years. You realize that, right?
1: Yeah, but I, I would—I would become like a a dangerous person if I if I was in jail for five years. No one would want to mess with me. So.
0: Hey, I feel you. All right. Would you rather teleport or have invincibility? Invincibility. What would you do? Just curious. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everything. Everything. That would be an
2: unfair advantage on the mound for sure
0: yeah all right would you would you rather make every green light or never wait in line again
1: make every single green light
0: are you are, are you a guy that's late a little bit
1: no i'm i'm not late but okay. uh i just can't stand when you're going down a road and and you like you're feeling good about yourself driving that day and there you go just stomping on the brakes pressing the gas dumping on the brakes because like every single light just seems to be turning yellow as at the wrong time. All
0: right. So I want you to take your yourself out of the equation and just think of it as a, a, this is a team answer. If you had one free double play card that you could use in, in a game or have a free home run card that you could use in a game, which one would you rather have the double play or the home run? The double play. Why? Why not give yourself an extra run or more? Because the, you're
1: probably gonna. Because you probably gonna have the bases loaded with one out and three zero count on the hitter, and that double play is gonna mean a lot more than that one run. That's, that's I, and such, at the end of the game.
0: That's such a spoken like a true pitcher.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Devin no pressure or anything. We got no outs and the bases are loaded and we're up by one. Uh, appreciate it. Come on in. Man. Um, would you rather have a rewind button or a fast forward button for your life? I would say rewind. Is there a reason? Would you go back and, and revisit anything? I would go back and
1: revisit um, a lot of things, obviously, like I've had a really good life, really good uh, childhood, really good uh, early adulthood. So, like, I've, I've learned a lot of things. And if I could go back and just, like, revisit all those things and, like, already know what I know, like, I feel like I would be that much better of a person. Gotcha.
0: Would you rather have the ability to charm everybody or make everyone laugh? I feel like charming makes people laugh, though. Yeah, sometime. sometimes. Sometimes char- charming people sometimes are are – they're at face value. And they're not the same person on the inside. I'd rather
1: uh, charm
0: people. Yep. All right, last question, man. Take you off the hot seat. This is the, the staple question we ask everybody this question. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Friends, for sure. No doubt. No question.
2: Randy educate this this young man you know I knew that that was the way Devin was gonna go he's just he's been so buttoned up and it's been like I, I knew I, I hate your answer Devin but I respect it <laughs> I, I like I tell these guys all the time I love them they're my brothers but if I get like somebody says look man I'm gonna give you the bag if you like drop these dudes I'm dropping them like a bad habit i'll get new friends i
1: don't know though man like the connections that you can make with, like through your friends so you get friends like that'll bring the money you know what i'm saying or they the Hay- got no friend here by yourself
2: yeah or the hayden leatherwood be- answer
3: i want friends with money that, that was the, that was the
0: easiest <laughs> yeah, that, was that, one. that
2: was actually a great answer because i want that friends works. with money build a network i i, I like it I, I respect the answer i'm yeah. picking money
0: all right devin man anything you want to plug or promote uh social media, where we can, you know, follow you, keep keep tabs on you?
1: Yeah, obviously Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want. Follow me. I'll follow you back. Um, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, that was a good opportunity, and I'm glad I could let you guys know a little bit about my life, my upbringing, uh, the reason I got to this and like kind of what's going to help me get to the point where I want to be.
0: Absolutely, man. If there's anything we can do for you along your journey, man, just reach out to us, let us know. But y'all check them out on Instagram at Fontenot underscore Devin. Hit them up on Twitter at Fontenot underscore 28. Man, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do some headlines for you. All right, welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. And, Jim, we're going to lead off because I know you love leading off with hockey right now it's game four Stanley Cup finals and you got Tampa Bay is down two to one to the Canadians Canadians just scored in the third period but you were talking a lot of mess because I brought up Taysom Hill and your fandom I'm not going to get into the specifics of what I said but according to you it's it was some low blows And, and maybe you're right there was some low blow action going on but My question to you is do you still feel like the Canadians are going to come back and beat the Lightning?
3: No, I do not. But you know what? Now that you told me they're ahead in this game, they're going to at least get that one game just to make you wait a little bit longer because you took some, took some low blows. But the lightning have shown through this series. I've, I have watched two of the games. Um, one, because you basically sent me the link 27 times. So I'd watch it, um, they are clearly the better team. So they're definitely going to wrap this thing up, whether it's tonight or two nights from now.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, if they lose tonight, they'll get to come back home and, and hopefully win it on home ice. But
3: would you rather it that way?
0: Yeah, of course. I think it's, it's, and he, here's, here's one of the reasons why none of their family, none of their friends, like none of the people that usually come to their games in Tampa could visit them in Montreal. Randy, I was going to ask, like, how do you feel about that? I mean, I'm looking at the stadium. The stadium is probably half to two-thirds of the way full. But, like, at this point, is, is it still not okay for family to, to come into Canada? Like, what's going on?
2: Yeah, man, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but obviously, you know, uh, Canada has they, – they've really stayed steadfast since the beginning on this. I think that there could have been a more effective way of going about it. Like, I don't know. I know people get all up in arms about the vaccination or whatever, but if these guys have been taking precautions and are willing to take at least the COVID test and they test negative, they don't have any symptoms, I think they should have been allowed to go. I'm not buying it. Come on, Canada.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's just interesting to me that –
2: I think they're salty, D.B.,
0: they might be and they might be holding that against us but you you would think though tampa bay spends time with their family and home whether they're vaccinated or not no mask like they're getting on the ice playing with all these guys and then they're not allowed to come like it just i don't know and i know i'm i'm not near smart enough to make a decision or a call as to why that's the case but it just seems silly to me but regardless of the outcome of the game whether they win or lose um you know, it seems like we're headed to be able to have a nice little parade uh when they get back. So, well, thank we, God. It's
2: been less than a calendar year since y'all had a parade for a football. I mean, a championship.
0: Yeah. And and speaking of that, as we're speaking now, the game is, is now tied up two to two. So we'll leave it on that. We'll leave it on a high note and we'll transition into to baseball. But. Uh, Thinking about baseball, we got the All-Star game coming up very, very soon. There's a lot of talk about the Home Run Derby. No Tatis, but we do got Otani. And I know, Jim, Otani's your boy. So are you rooting for him in the Home Run Derby? Is that your guy?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, you know, he's uh, going to have
3: Mike Trout rooting in his corner on top of that. Have a little extra little juice from his boy. It's going to happen. But, hey, can I ask you this? Can I ask you this? Because I had a conversation with a Cardinals fan the other day, right? And he was and he was talking about how he would never want um a player in the home run derby because it messes up their swing. And there has been some people who've came out and said that uh they believe that. I don't know, you know, I don't know if any of that's truth or not, but would would you want your favorite player, if he's hot, to go in there and do the home run derby or would you rather him
0: stay out? I want him to go in there and hit. Bombs. <laughs> what What is any different than any other day at the plate? Hey, you mean, I, to, t- I you mean to tell me on a Tuesday game against Baltimore, I'm just trying to hit base hits. I'm not trying to hit bombs. But in a home run derby, I get this.
3: it wasn't my theory. But there are people who actually believe that participating in the home run derby messes you up.
0: Just I don't and know. We're talking about professionals. Like if if that's the if that's the reasoning why I. If I'm a professional, all right. Let's give Tatis as an example. He's his might be an injury thing, but if he's saying I'm not entering the home run derby because it's going to mess up my swing, that's pretty fucking weak. Because I bet you, Vlad Guerrero, he ain't worried about that. Is he that who you got? To, is that
3: who you got to win it?
0: Absolutely.
3: I know I mean, that's who Randy's got. I ain't even gonna
0: ask. That dude, he. He only, only thing he knows is how to hit bombs. He don't care if if it's a single or a double, it might as well be. An he out he was told growing
2: up, chicks dig the long ball, and he's been doing it ever since. I think I would go with Otani just because he is a showman and I think Ooh. he's going to be ready to put on a show.
1: True.
3: Can I ask you guys, uh, his have, and y'all may, y'all may, this may not be y'all's favorite one. Is the Josh Hamilton the, and he ended up not winning all, but the one round, 100%. is that still the, is that still the best round ever?
2: absolutely and i was going to talk about it next that that when we get into the next question that's what i want to talk about is is that because he did not win nobody not maybe we can but nobody in the free world can tell you who actually won that home run derby everybody remembers josh hamilton hitting 27 home runs in the round
0: but it is the home run derby though randy is it becoming like the the dunk contest it's kind of a irrelevant like thing that when we were kids it was great but now like eh, take it or leave it
2: I mean it's in danger of becoming that um you know the ratings have definitely been down over the last 10 years other than 2017 so what happened in 2017 for those that don't know you had Aaron Judge and Stanton out there dropping 500 foot bombs it's just like the slam dunk contest you got to have star power that's what drives it people do not go to watch major league baseball games to watch the normal everyday Joes. They go to watch the Aaron Judges. They go to watch Shohei Otani. They go to watch Guerrero. That's who they're going to see. So it's, I don't consider it a knock on those guys. And those guys should be there, you know, the, the lesser known guys, but you got to sprinkle in the superstars. And Josh Hamilton, that's the story that gets you. This guy had everything this guy had been through to see a moment. That's historic. That's legendary. And nobody even remembers that he lost unless you're a diehard baseball fan. So, I think it's definitely the like I said, viewership is way down. Uh, even the year um, when Bryce Harper—that was the lowest it had been in 20 years—and that's a huge name. But it's more than that. We need a story, and everybody kind of likes to hate Bryce Harper too. So that's probably some of it too. <laughs> well, he—I don't—he
0: had, he had to hit like 10 home runs in like a minute to win it.
3: But, hey, I will say this in regards to you talking about comparing it to the dunk contest, and I don't know what you could really change about the dunk contest, but the Home Run Derby has continued to try to change formats to mix it up and make it new so it isn't boring. So you got to give them their credit. They're trying to figure out what the best way to keep people involved is.
2: I agree. And, and, and to, to that point, they are ever-evolving. There are some ideas that I think they should adapt or adopt, but I think that Unless you get the stars, no matter what you change, it's not going to bring back the viewers. You know that only 7% of MLB fans are under the age of 18. I mean, we got to get the kids more interested in watching events like the Home Run Derby. Or we are in danger of, and this is not hyperbole, of baseball dying. Yeah, so let me so let me ask you, you touched on that. You weren't with us on
3: the midweek series, Randy. And when we were talking to the JUCO guys, Daniel will tell you every single one of them said they don't watch pro baseball, they watch college baseball. That's so weird to me because, you know, growing up for us, you know, I didn't watch college baseball. I watched pro baseball. And and they were the stars. And it's
2: like it's completely different now. Yeah, well, true. Well, to that point though, the guys that we're interviewing on here, yeah, they're watching that. But the ratings, nobody's watching college baseball. I mean, Omaha had A Tuesday night or Sunday night baseball game on ESPN is still dwarfing what the elimination game of the College World Series was. So it's still got a draw. It's just not what it was. And everybody said it's America's pastime, and it's not. That's NFL, and it's not even close. And I don't think that'll ever change. And and hey, we're gonna
3: talk more about it later. But I feel like I got to drop it right now. There was a there was a question on social media on Twitter that what's bigger uh, if Mississippi State was to beat Alabama in football or if. They won the world series. And I'm going to tell you right now, I watched Dak Prescott walk into the hotel and I watched the winning college world series team walk in. And I only are got to tell you who got the bigger ovation.
2: Of course, football rules all. I mean, that's just, we know that.
0: So just a a quick shout out to Joe Madden. Joe Madden is probably got to be the coolest manager in baseball. Um, He, Obviously the fans, we talk about the fans and, and what can make baseball more interesting. And you gotta have star power, you gotta have names. But Joe Madden's given the okay for Otani to play the field and pitch, man. Like or hit and pitch, man. Like that's that's pretty, pretty legit. Jim is, is are you there for that? You tuning in to see that?
3: Yeah, I'm absolutely there for that. But I tell you what, it's it's risky. You know, we were just making a comment about it. What if you got hurt, you know, doing one thing?
2: Now you're doing two things.
3: The, that risk becomes higher.
2: Well, would you well, – Randy? do think you're you... in danger of them not making the playoffs or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, they already would lost you...
3: Trout. They can't afford to lose him too.
2: Randy, would you
0: start him and let him lead off and then one inning and then that be it?
2: 100%. I'm not letting – I'm not going to be the manager that gets that dude hurt for a, a game that really I know they try to make it mean something home all that jazz but it doesn't mean shit
3: look hey you remember you remember when um Popovich was was the uh the coach for the all-star game and all the Spurs players are on there they played minimal minutes he they had like three minutes
2: they pulled him you know you brought that up DB is is you talk about Joe Madden being like the coolest umpire to me I'm not saying Joe Madden is 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 uh, decorated as Popovich, but they remind me so much of each other in the way that they communicate. Other than Joe Madden's a little bit more personable, but I mean, they just there's a lot of correlation in my opinion. that They just kind of get it, you know what I mean? I, mean they, I think
0: Madden is is relatable to the players, and he's probably a coach that everyone is is good with playing with. Like it, it don't matter how difficult or how easy or laid back or you know high strung of an athlete you are. Like I don't hear anybody saying that. Joe Madden is a, is a tough guy to play for, but I mean, when you, when you look at that, does it translate into wins? And that's where it comes down to the, the players that you have around you. And he's got good players and I'm going to direct this question to you, Jim, cause you have been a proponent of the angels. Like, w- what's the problem? Why? Like they got a proven manager. They got two superstars. Like w- what's, what's the issue? You're asking me. You need to be the one to explain because you
3: can tell me more in depth because, like you said, they got the guys. The the problem is we don't watch enough West Coast games. We talk about this all the time, right? It's it's the biggest problem. So I don't watch them enough to be able to, to know. All I see is highlights of them hitting bombs or doing their thing. But I know the biggest problem is they reside in a division full of great teams that that's always going to be an issue when you got two stud teams in your your division that are as good as they are, but I don't know what it is, but we continually talk about in baseball that, you know, one or two good players is not going to do it. It's not like basketball. I mean, it's, it's a full team. And uh, I mean, I think it starts with they got to have more pitching based upon what I'm seeing because they're giving up runs. Yeah. I mean, they're,
0: they're differential. is minus 28 they have won the last four but i mean they put themselves nine games back and like the mariners aren't world beaters the rangers are terrible um and it's just the a's and the astros that you're competing with and i mean all indication right now is that houston's the best team in that division as much as we like the a's but they're a team that that's very very similar to the rays that they're gonna have, um, you know, they're gonna have the 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 metrics, and they're gonna they're gonna play, you know, to those those different stat lines. Um, and I don't know if the Angels can necessarily do something like that. But I uh, just look in they they I they're not gonna catch Houston, they're not gonna catch Oakland. You know, they might be able to hit a hit a third place and in overtake seattle but i don't see them doing a whole lot and i I just don't know why um when we look at the american league as a whole i mean you got the red sox uh coming back up the rays have played absolutely terrible they've won you know a game today but i I mean they've just been terrible as of late um five and five in the last 10 and i bet if you did the last 15 or 20 it's probably pretty pretty bad uh, Randy, I'll ask you, man, you know, are the what's up with the Yankees, you know, prior to the season starting or I mean, prior to any season starting, the Yankees are always a, that that team that people talk about. They've had, you know, manager come out and tell them they they're they're soft. But, you know, what what's the issue?
2: You know, and and their GM, you know, Cashman said they're as bad as bad can be. So I mean, it's a lot of uh, a lot of talk. Which that's not, you know, uh, obviously, if the late great George Steinbrenner was here, he'd be doing the same thing. He'd be trashing them. Uh, but I just don't think that they got a bunch of talent. But it's just like put together, right? It's not necessarily the team as much as it is. They just got a bunch of individual players, and I don't really like the construction of it. You know, they got the pitching staffs just kind of makeshift. I mean, they're they're up and down. They're hitting. I don't know, man. I don't like the way they're const- – you know, obviously, they're, they're minus 11 and run differential, but they don't score a lot. If you look at the difference between them, I mean, like Boston and, and Tampa and even Toronto, over 400 runs, and the Yankees at 340, I mean, that's not what you are used to seeing from a Yankees team. Even when their pitching staff was suspect, I mean, they got such a short right field, they were like poking home runs out, scoring a bunch. So, they're in a world of hurt. Well, guys, they
3: they got a real issue because have you seen the stat for Garrett Cole since the crackdown?
0: Oh, he's been terrible. He I has mean, been
2: terrible, and I, he... I don't,
0: I don't want to say just him because I don't know what other guys have done with it, but he's one because he's a big name, like he sticks out. Like, yeah, he he's been pretty. Bad. Yeah, I mean, I'll just
3: just keep it yeah. simple without reading all the stats. Five and one prior to with a one point three seven ERA, he's three and three with a four point four seven ERA since the
2: crackdown. When you get the kind of money that that guy gets, this it's the heat's going to be on you, and it's gonna you're gonna everything's going to be under a microscope. So to Jim's point, I mean, it's not just him, but he's going to get a lot of that because of the money that he makes.
0: Do you do you think, Randy, that it's a good good strategy? Just thinking about the guys that are on that team for ownership and managers to come out and tell you that you're terrible. I mean, they're not saying the words terrible, but in in so many words, they're telling you like you're you're pretty shitty right
2: now. <laughs> well, I think I mean, obviously the manager being a former player, I think he, you know, he was kind of brought up on a hard nose kind of thing. I I uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, if he feels like that's how he can get to his team, uh, who am I to question him? I mean, he's been there and done that.
0: Yeah, Jim, looking at the central, you still got the White Sox, man, they're they're still rolling. They they've lost the last two, but their run differential like one of the best in the league. And you get down there to the damn Astros at plus 137 differential, man, that, like... Guys, it, it doesn't sucks. matter how much we root against them. it's They're going to be there.
3: It's a problem. They must be cheating again. <laughs> must yeah, be. But, but, you know, yeah. when we go to do our picks, we always try to pick them to not be atop the division, but we all know, kind of in the back of our head, it's probably going to happen.
2: Yeah. I think I did pick them to win the division, even though I, they are cheaters.
0: Yeah, I think you did, and I think I went with the, with the A's, and and I'm sticking with the A's I, with you, Daniel. I, know. I, I I just couldn't couldn't do it, couldn't do it. But Jim, looking at the National League, there we've talked a lot about Austin Riley. We've talked a lot about the Braves and their struggles. But here they are. They're climbing their way back up. I mean, they you know one six of their last ten. They won tonight, and they're only four games back, which. I mean, if you would have said that this is the position they would have been in, you know, three weeks ago, we would have told you you're crazy. But what are the Braves doing differently, and do they have a chance to catch the Mets? They have a chance,
3: but I think the, the thing is the whole division, right, is underachieving. You look at them like, I mean, they're all sitting around the same area, you know, except for Miami, and they're all either just over 500 or just below 500. So I think the division as a whole is underachievement and Atlanta is taking advantage of that. But um, you know, we know they got a good roster, and we know we know they can hit. You know, we know know they picked up Morton, who's been great the last couple of games. Um, so they have potential. And the, the Mets aren't world beaters, right? They are a team that solely relies on pitching. And, and when you look at their run differential, you see that they're not putting up they're not putting up runs. They're winning because they're not giving them up. So um, I don't know. You know, we, we say defense wins championships all the time. We say pitching wins, but a lot of time, more times than not, we end up seeing whoever can put up the most runs. Simple as that. And I feel like Atlanta, if you were to match them up against the Mets with their lineup, they can put up more runs.
0: Absolutely. I think you just got to get there. And I think the Braves are, are, are trying to figure out what's the formula just to get in. Because Once you get in, I think anything can happen. But
3: I think we got to talk about, before we move away from that, um, you know, you, you guys know I'm not a big GP guy, but he had to even lead his show with it. Guys, we all saw it. Daniel talked to me as, as the, the pitcher. Um, you throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball outside off the plate, and the guy takes it oppo 400. I mean, dude, what, I mean, what, is it, what does it take to – to be able to hit that ball like that and how do you feel as a pitcher when you threw the pitch that you wanted and he does that with it
0: I mean it, it's you can't you can't put that in in, a, in just a little box and go oh man like that guy hit a ball that was off the plate because that happens all the time like that's an everyday thing when you're facing pro hitters that are swinging you know bats as 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 long as they are like and as as heavy as they are and they can swing them with ease like sometimes that's what you get um you know what sucks is that you you're coming to you're coming to a spot where as a pitcher you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do and normally in a real world when you do what you're supposed to do like that formula usually works and is is the recipe for success however there are or sometimes where you do exactly what you're supposed to do on the mound and it's not, you know, whether that's luck or skill, like, I don't know, but, you know, the, you got to remember, these are pro hitters. They make adjustments and, you know, it don't matter how hard you can throw. Like they can hit it, um, whether it's inside or outside, those guys tend to figure, figure it out. Um, I don't know the pitch that you're talking
2: about. I didn't see it. Did you see it, Randy? I did. I did. I mean, he's a strong guy, obviously, but man, you know, obviously he's having a great year, but, and I, I know he's getting a lot of a negative attention for bat flips and whatever, but not to shift gears off of Austin, but Ronald Acuna Jr. My God, that guy is unbelievable. Every time I watch the Braves, other obviously I watch them to see Austin, but that guy does something that's just amazing to me. I mean, it's just a raw talent. I think the Braves are set up, the young nucleus Jim talked about, they got a good roster, but with, those kind of guys, the young guys and Albies and Dansby, but then you got Freddie Freeman as a veteran. I'm still shocked that they're under 500 to this point in the season based off the success they had last year.
3: But that's the beauty of a long season, right? Because I think we all feel like based upon this conversation, they're going to get it together. I mean, this was a team that was in the National League Championship last year and really should have took it up 3-1. So I think we all feel like they're going to right the ship based upon what I'm hearing.
2: You know, an interesting thing, too, is that obviously Acuna, I think, is MVP caliber, but Austin Riley actually leads the team and wins above replacement. So you guys know I'm I'm a big on the metric stat thing. And for that guy this young in his career, to be on a team with a guy like Acuna and Swanson and Albies and Freeman to be leading the team is quite a testament to his talent and ability.
0: And it's it's crazy the names you just listed and to see that they're below 500. Like, you would think, um, you know, that that's – that's a lineup that, that could easily win you a bunch of games and, and maybe they're just starting to try to piece it together. Maybe they're putting it together at the right time, but I don't know if the all-star break will, will put a stop to that and then they'll have to reset, or maybe it's a good, good thing where they are able to climb back in and have a chance to kind of refresh regroup before they hit it. Because you guys know as well as I do once, um, once the end of august and september roll around like it's it's balls to the wall it's pretty hardcore and and every every game just becomes more and more important um you look at a team like the brewers right now up until the last two games they'd won 11 in a row and they went from you know middle of the the division up to first place by six and a half games and jim we we talked about this you know this was one of those those divisions where we said you know one really good week can make or break you and it looks like the brewers have had two really good weeks in a row and like they're they're putting themselves ahead of a a reds team that you know is above 500 a cubs team that is 500 and a cardinals team that i don't really know if they know what they are (laughs) Um, and a pittsburgh team who is terrible and is going to have the first pick in the draft but um you know because our team resides in this division you know randy i I'll, i don't, i just don't see it man i don't see the cardinals being able to figure this out I, I think this is a year where we don't see them in the postseason as much as i i hate to say that
2: i think that's a pretty good I, i'm still not i'm not willing to go there yet just because we've seen this before they're not they've always kind of they're not they're a very veteran-laden team. I agree with you. They got a lot of things to figure out. But when you look up and down that lineup and you see guys like Arnato and Goldsmith, I mean, Edmund, all those guys, I think they can still figure it out too. And what's crazy is that for years, uh, it's been, you know, the, the pitching staff was just so-so. I mean, if you look at it, even though they're names that everybody's not familiar with, the pitching staff has not been terrible. Uh, they cannot seem to string together hits in a timely manner. Uh, it's concerning, obviously, but – and, you know, thank God the Cubs are the Cubs and they've lost like, you know, 10 in a row or something. So, they're down there in the in the cellar with us. But um, the Brewers are running off and leaving. That team is built. I think they're better than the Cardinals. Even if the Cardinals do figure it out, I think the Brewers team still better than them, and I hate to say that. Uh, but it's going to be a tough road for the Cardinals. they got a lot of things to figure out. Let me, let me throw it back on you for just one second, DB, and then I'll ask Jen the same question. They're not a t- – team they're not an organization that makes moves um a knee-jerk reaction but do you think the heat is going to get to Shilt, and are they looking to make a move there if things don't improve soon well I mean you got to take take
0: a look at at what the Cardinals have been and they've been a winning program and if you're asking me are they okay with losing the answer is no and who's the first person that you're going to look at when that happens, obviously the manager. So, yeah, I, I think he's definitely going to have, I don't, I don't, I think he'll be the manager next year, but I don't think that he, his job is, is as secure as he would like it to be.
2: One more question. And I, I want to ask you on the same question. Went, at what point, and this is never, as far as I can remember, do you have to start going to the front office in Mazalak and saying like, what have you done? to freshen up this roster. What moves have you made? Obviously they bring Arnado over. It is not equated to wins. He's been really good because that's what he does. But if it doesn't, like we talk about with Trout and Otani all the time, one star doesn't really make a difference on a baseball team. You know, you, you got to have a collection of guys, you know, Yachty's in his twilight of his career, still doing okay Two, You know, he's not a, been a 300 hitter, his career still awesome behind the plate. Um, you know, you've had Wayne, You've had Alex Reyes is going to be an all-star. What a story there. So, I don't know, man. At some point, you can't, it can't just be the manager. I know it will be. You're right. Uh, but Jim, the same to you. Do you think that they're looking at Shield like, you know, hey, man, if you don't get this, at least get in the hunt? Right now, they're eight games back of the wild card spot. If they don't make some noise soon, I mean, what do you think?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And the thing is, what do we traditionally know? The Cardinals aren't one for making moves, right? But I have been seeing on the rumor mill that they are looking to do something because. You know, it is those moves to get Goldsmith uh fears back, and then to get Arenado, and they're like, to your point, Yachty's in the twilight years. I mean, get it—you got to get it done now, right? Like, and so I expect them to do something about it. And if they do something about it and still can't get it done, then yeah, um, people's jobs are gonna are gonna change for sure.
0: Well, when I'll ask you guys this: When's the last time that the Cardinals relied on having? superstar I mean it was Pujols was it Pujols Maguire like those are the two names that I think about that come to mind know. when you and I don't I don't even know if if, if Maguire's necessarily no. I don't I just know
3: I think Pujols is the one guy yeah is the one guy that was the superstar but I mean they've always been a, a complete package team it's never been about the
2: superstar right so to so, your point though DB to, they help grow their talent though right Right.
0: And that's, that's what I'm getting at. When you're, when you're talking about making management changes, it's not about the superstar that they don't have. It's about, okay, if we're developing, what's, what are we doing as a organization, not at the, the top level, but at those other levels that are allowing us to be better at the top level because I don't know. You guys would know better than I would. How many guys have moved up? How many guys were Redbirds that are now Cardinals? I mean, is that still a pipeline? Or Well, you know
3: that because go back to last year in Tampa and your boy, Rosarina, who was
0: killing it as a Redbird, and then we let
3: him get away. Like, they still come up through there, and Randy's been at the games. I mean, the
2: Redbirds, if you look out there, they got talent. Oh, absolutely. And then you got guys that just, for whatever reason, haven't worked out. Um, you know, uh, Dylan Carlson, obviously, I think is will be a star, but it's been slow. You've had Harrison Bader, who can't seem to stay healthy, but you, you see glips like the other night when he hits the Grand Slam. It's such a glimpse of that talent, and defensively, he's awesome, but he just can't seem to hit. You know, Jim's uh, favorite Cardinal, I think, is Tyler O'Neill, and he came up through there, too. And he right now is uh, got the best wins above replacement on the team. And I love Tyler O'Neill, but he can't, that, that can't be their best, best player. player right? right
3: yeah. yeah. Hey, I'll tell you guys what the problem is. And Randy, you're going to love this because it's come all the way back around full circle. You said he had to go. And when we talk about the brewers and where they're sitting, I told you Colton Wong could not leave. And who does he play for and who's winning the brewers and Colton Wong.
0: Hey, well, There you go. Uh, Just another guy that, that, you know, moves from one team to the next and is now being a difference maker. But before we, we, we take a look at some predictions, the West, the the giants, man, week by week, they just keep hanging on, just hanging on. Cardinals beat them today though. They did. (laughs) Um, But they're a half game up on the Dodgers, four games up on the Padres and, we, we, there's not, there's not many guys on that team under the age of, of 30. So like, if, if you want a, a good story and a good team to root for, I think the giants are, are the, are that team just for the simple fact, like they got some rusty trusty vets that, that are just, they know how to, you know, Dude. they're like, they're, they're like the, the tortoise in the <laughs> air race they they know how to win
3: well because of the way they're playing and when you look
0: at records the
3: three best teams reside in the west in the whole national league (laughs) that's what's crazy we here here we were we were talking about the padres and the dodgers all preseason well they've been everything they're supposed to be and then when you add the giants (laughs) in the equation that division is stupid
0: oh yeah it's 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 definitely it's it's gonna be like the american league east uh was for so long like you got three teams winning 90, 90 games. Like that's absurd.
3: And Arizona would like to also dispute the, uh, the pirates having the, yeah, first the worst pick. record. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> absolutely.
0: I mean, the diamondbacks are pretty bad. They're real bad. Man. And, and I, don't, I don't know why who like, is Arizona that bad of a place? I
3: don't know. It's just, it might be the division thing that we were talking about, you know, with the angels. I mean, when you got to play teams like
0: that all the time, all right, so open forum. What do you, Jim? What do what do you see differently between this week and next week when we look at standing?
3: All right, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bold. I'm gonna say some way, somehow, Oakland gets that top spot back in the West. That that would that would require a great week from them and a bad week from Houston. But I'm I'm gonna go with it just because I want it.
0: And three and a half. And I'm going. I'm going for it, man. I'm shoot. I'm shooting for it. All right, Randy, what about you? Anything you see that'll be different between this week and next?
2: The Dodgers are going to take back first place. Yeah,
0: see, think, Daniel, you told me I'm not allowed to pick that, and that's why I didn't I, pick that. I wouldn't pick that.
2: I mean, it's easy, right? It's easy. Yeah, that's, Nothing's going to change. I mean, so <laughs> I think also, you know, something we talked about a second ago, the Braves, we say, can they catch the Mets? Well, they played the Mets seven of the last ten, and they won four of the game. So, that I mean, they didn't just kill them, but they, they beat them once 20 to two. So – I think that they feel like they're better than the Mets.
0: Yeah, that's that's my pick is the Braves. They they may not take over first place, but I think they're going to cut that distance in half for sure. Uh, they're going to slow climb their way back up to the top. So we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, we got a long season of baseball, a lot to to talk about with that over the the next few weeks. But we got some NBA to talk about. We finally have made it to the NBA Finals. You got Phoenix and Milwaukee. And Randy, I'll start with you, man. Just the lead up to getting these two teams there. Are you shocked in any way? Did you wish it was other teams that were in the finals? What are your initial thoughts and reactions to game one that's going to happen tomorrow night?
2: I, I'm not mad at this. I think that the NBA is probably, they'll never admit it, but they're probably not happy about it because, I mean, these are – Small market teams, and even though the NBA says they care about small market, we know what drives ratings it's LA and New York, Brooklyn, Miami, you know, whatever. Well, and are. I was going to ask you, do you happen to have
3: those uh, on how low they've been since stars have been hurt and impacted
2: the playoffs? Do you happen to know the, the ratings? The, the ratings are actually up, they're actually really up. It's, it's percentage, it's, it's marginal, but they're up. Um, but I will say that the leadoff up to this, and everybody can say it's injuries, whatever the Clippers, Kawhi's being out. That's just part of the game. You know, uh, the Bucks obviously beat a team, a Brooklyn team, the series before that was, you know, devastated with injuries, had their two superstars out and had Kevin Durant doing everything by himself. And then the next series, you know, the Milwaukee loses their star after Trey Young goes out. So injuries are just a part of it. And I think it's easy to blame the NBA for rushing everybody back and all that. And I understand all that. And there's probably somebody way smarter that can explain why that is. But at the end of the day, these guys get paid a lot of money to play a game and entertain, and I don't see – they they had to get back. They had to. It was all about the CBA and the collective playing so many games. They had a choice. They could have said, okay, we're going to play a shortened season, but the reason they didn't was because in the CBA they have to play a certain amount of games to get their revenue share. So they chose this. So I don't want to hear all these NBA players or front offices, coaches, anybody talking about – that we should have had a shortened season or we should have had a longer break because they had a choice. They chose. And CP three is the president of their, the players union. They chose this and obviously it's worked out for him. Right. right. And I see yeah. why he did it. <laughs> but to, to talk up to this, I mean, I want to talk just real briefly and I, we're, I know we're going to dive into it, but CP three, you know, everybody's going in, he's never made a finals, never made a finals. What he did in that clinching game was nothing. That's that's classic Chris Paul. That's 10 years ago. Chris Paul putting 41. That's not even what he does. So it was really great to see that obviously Devin Booker's the scorer on the team but a lot of chatter was going into that game cuz let me tell you Paul George played the best playoff basketball of his career and it just wasn't enough because CP3 was on a mission and he what, I'm happy he's here.
0: What what do you think is a better better stat line for him is it the fact that he scored as much as he did or the fact that he didn't have as many turnovers?
2: Oh, those are both
0: both are, are unbelievable yeah. stats for him. But like to me, the turnover thing is just it just outweighs well, the amount of points.
2: He never turns the ball over. Well, and I that's mean, what he just
0: and that and that's the thing, right?
3: So like when I seen a thing the other day, a graphic the other day, and they were comparing Chris Paul to. It, hard, it had Hard and Westbrook. It had like five guys, right? And, they, and it showed that they had more assists and more points and all that. And they were saying those guys are better than Chris Paul. And the stats that they weren't showing was exactly what you're talking about, Randy, the lack of turnovers, the lack of missed shots. So yeah, it's easy to show that those guys score more points, get more assists, get more rebounds, but you're not showing the bad stats that make Chris Paul right. the better player.
2: Yeah, it's always assist-to-turnover ratio, and he's been a league leader since he came in the league. And it's not even – it's the stuff that he does that intangibles. We've talked about it a million times on this show. You know, he goes – you know, he was a winner in Charlotte. They, they went as far as they could go. Goes to the Clippers. You know, I think they underachieved. I'm willing to admit that. I hated him anyway. Beat L.A. But then he goes to Oklahoma City as an after – or goes to Houston. That doesn't work out because him and Harden, heads. And then he gets a throwaway. Go to OKC to basically live in exile – right? Live out your career. And what did he do? He made that team amazing. You know, obviously they, they fell a little short because at the end of the day, it's about the Jimmies and the Joes, but then he goes to Phoenix and it's like, Oh, that's going to be a cute ending to his career. Devin, they don't win. Devin Booker is just a score da, da, da. and look at him. This is his first final. He finally has a guy, not a Blake Griffin. no Deandre Jordan, none of that. He has a guy that can go get the buckets. And I think that they have a real shot, especially if we talk about Giannis, if Giannis is hurt and he can't go like he usually can. They got a problem. And DeAndre Ayton has been.
3: Yeah, I was, I, I was going to say, I know you ain't going to leave out your boy Ayton because he's been good. But but what I'll say, guys, look. All right, Randy, you know how I did with Kobe, right? And I waited till his career was over to appreciate him. Now, granted, I started as a Chris Paul fan because he was in New Orleans. And I got bitter because he wanted out and he left. And so then I became a hater. I'm glad before his, his career ended that I came back around and didn't stay salty and appreciated him for the player he is. And that's why I want him to get this title and because I think he deserves it. And I don't want it to be an afterthought like it was with Kobe and be like, oh, man, you know what? There was a guy who was great, but I spent so much time hating on him and didn't appreciate him.
0: Well,
2: Yeah, and I think, I think- what Chris Paul does, not only – my bad, DB. What he does on the game, I talked about him being the president of the Players Union. It's, it's what he does on and off the court that makes him a special – presence for the league i mean and so when he does hang up playing basketball this guy might not go into coaching he might be a freaking owner one day that's the kind of impact he has
0: commissioner of the league
3: maybe he could teach mj how to get it done over there because he's struggling uh,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so jim your boy patrick beverly gives him a nice little, little push on the way out what are your reactions to that I mean, you
3: know I'm not shocked, right? I mean, I I don't know. Randy has said if he's on your team, he's the kind of guy you love, right? But, man, I, I don't like that guy. And, you know, you guys know I don't even like the cuss on this podcast, but he's an asshole. I, I think he's a true, genuine asshole.
0: Randy, what did you think about that?
2: That's Bush League. I, I'm not a Beverly fan. I think that he's the kind of guy that you want on your team. But a lot of it, like when I saw him playing, against the Warriors a couple of years ago, and – you know, there he's doing his thing. He's like a barking chihuahua. Like, he's not as good as he talks. You know, he's like a very poor man's Draymond Green. He thinks that he's impacting the game. Like, he had one crossover on a 45-year-old CP3 where he got a bucket, and he celebrated like they just won the game. I mean, so the, the push was just a long litany of things. Uh-huh. That Patrick Beverly does that are just I mean it
3: it works, it works for Beverly with a guy like Westbrook because he's such a head case, but a guy like Chris Paul, who's level minded, yeah, this shit ain't gonna work.
2: True. And let me tell you something, you guys may probably saw this. What I had the biggest problem with was that there were players in between him CP3's teammates. Why did somebody not defend Chris Paul? Nobody did shit. I mean, that's what I don't understand. If that's well, when you look at that team,
3: I mean, well, when you look at that, Jay Crowder. well, yeah, I forgot Jay Crowder. I was gonna say,
2: "He's a tough guy." He was standing right there, and he just put his arms. Out. I'm like, "Whoa, bro, come on!" I don't know, man. I didn't like that. What? I didn't like the fact. I hated that he did it, but I really hated that his teammates didn't go after Beverly. Let,
0: let's just let's let's put it in, in terms that that we could speak. If Mike Conley gets pushed like that, Zach Randolph ain't having that. No.
2: Zebo Z- Z- meeting him at the bus. Well, yeah. and
3: you know, since you decided to bring up Zach Randolph and Mike Conley, that was the first thing I thought of when Randy, when you said injuries are part of the game, because nobody knows that more than Memphis fans through that that team, because on multiple seasons, it could have really been different. And and unfortunately, that was part of it. So I think Memphis fans know if anybody that, that come playoff time injuries can, you know, change everything.
0: Absolutely. So with that, we, we, we got a, a Another series that I mean, we we got to talk about. I mean, the Bucks figure it out without without their best player, and I don't know is is Middleton not their best player? Like, no. I mean it. He did he did some damage without Giannis. He's had Kane. some games where
3: he's been on a milk card, though. No.
0: Yeah, I I I can agree <laughs> with that. But when um, went all
2: James Harden against the Heat.
0: <laughs> so. So with that, is does what did the Bucks have to do, Jim, to to win the series? Well, I think
3: it's going to start with Randy's boy Drew Holiday being able defensively to shut down Book because if if that can't happen and Book's getting his, because we know Chris Paul is going to play his game, I think that's going to change change everything. So I think I think it all starts with the Bucks playing the way. Randy has said it in every time we've ever discussed the Bucks. They have to muddy things up to win. They're going to absolutely have to muddy every single game up. Randy,
0: what what do it? Let's let's say the Bucks win it all. What is the one thing that you would say they did well that made the difference?
2: Shot the three consistently. <laughs> Good it's, luck. I mean, it's just you know, but. I think defensively is where their roots are to, to what Jim was saying. But, you know, Middleton, you touched on that, DB. Middleton averaged 28 and 12 and 7, right? Those are superstar numbers. What I, th- I don't think he's their best player. I do think he's their most clutch player because when you go say, hey, I got to get a bucket or I need you to have a 20-point third quarter or 20-point fourth quarter, we saw him do that multiple times in the Hawks series. So when it mattered the most, yeah, he is that guy. And Giannis is perfectly fine with deferring to him. But what – if Giannis comes – it's all the the key to this is Giannis coming back with even being seventy five percent of himself, and we all saw that injury. I don't see that happening, so I think that DeAndre Ayton's going to have his way. And you, I, I mean, it's going to be tough. Lopez is the key because man, he was awesome in, in several games, and I, I forgot, I forgot that dude played. You know, <laughs> he, he did a he,
0: he reinvented himself, I think, for for a third time. No, but.
3: I've I've had to watch his brother play all year, Randy. Unfortunately, and he's the lesser of the two
2: for sure. You got the wrong Lopez brother. Yeah, you got the wrong guy. Are those the guys that started Facebook, or were those the different guys? <laughs> <laughs> I always get that confused. Vinkel Voss, Lopez, whatever. How 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 good is Trey Young, Randy? I will never give him any credit. I'm not. Nah, I'm just kidding. So, uh, really a really good, and he did more than just score. Uh, he impacted the game. I think that the hawks man they played nate mcmillan that's i gotta give all the credit to that dude because even when trey went out they went out there and beat the bucks ass in that game without trey so they're more than just trey young obviously you hate to see an injury like that it's a freak injury steps on the referee's foot what made me laugh though is trey turning around looking at the referee like damn dog come on bro i I hated to see that i want to see full strength Giannis, full strength trey i still think it ends up the same way the bucks win I actually called a sweep. I was wrong about that. Trey went out and got him a couple. Well, he got one, but I still think the Bucks physically they're just a two, they're too big and too physical to for the Hawks to win that.
0: Did the Jim, did the Hawks surprise you in a sense that next year are they gonna be a team expected to make the playoffs?
3: I mean, they're gonna be expected to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to make that extra jump. I think they'll take a step back. Um, you know, it'll be dependent upon the nets being healthy and what the Sixers do, obviously. Um, but I mean, I can't expect them to get this far again. Um, I'm like Randy, I still don't want to really give Trey his due, but they showed the stats with him on and off the court. So obviously that speaks for itself, but I don't see them making it this far again next year that the, the Sixers are going to figure something out. Um, will the nets be cursed with injury again? I don't, I mean, I can't, I can't know that. And then, I mean, even the wizards, do they, do they make a move Do the bulls figure it out? I feel like there's a lot of a lot going on in the East that could
2: really change the fortune for Atlanta. I'm glad you brought the bulls. Cause the, to me, that's the team that is like one to two pieces away. You got Zach Levine and all you got some good young players and Kobe, all that. I think that's the team I see. Now, I'm not saying make an Eastern Conference Finals, but the East is so much more up for grabs, and it has been for years and years and years. Um, But I think that to Jim's point, if the Nets come back, and I know what you're going to say, DB, you can't rely on health, you can't with those guys, but Kevin Durant kind of proved he came back from an Achilles tear, and he dropped 50 in game seven and was one toe away from sending the Bucs home. So, I mean, what happens then? If they win, and then you get Kyrie, and you get Harden back as a functional, it could be – that would be the NBA's. Dream, and, and, right? and don't and
3: don't forget about the Heat and the Celtics, too, who underachieved this year. The, I mean, they should be back in the mix. So I don't I don't see the Hawks. 100 percent So I mean, I think I think that's the bad thing about this injury with Trey. And like Randy, you said they might have not won anyway, but that's the bad thing because this is a window that might close very quickly.
2: Jim, yeah. I'm gonna ask you a question. Hmm. I'm switching gears a little bit. A lot has been made about the, a couple of new hires in the NBA, not new names, but new hires. They uh, Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd both get hired at their respective teams. And it was a big story for a couple of days that both of them had prior, um, you know, it was domestic charges, whatever. So and and nothing was really said. The teams really never addressed it. You know, the, the players themselves, I mean, the coaches themselves addressed it. And then they were stopped by their publicist or the media person. Do you think that the teams owed an explanation as to why they hired Chauncey and Jason Kidd? I mean, I don't think that
3: they're necessarily owed. I think it's the right move to do it. Um, I mean, I think you should always explain yourself out, especially um, when you make moves like that. So um, I would say they went wrong about it and they should have came out with a full explanation. But, I mean, you can't
2: say that they have to or they're they're owed it, so to speak. I agree. DB, I'm going to ask you too as somebody, you know, along the same lines. It's a Jim's point. You know, I don't think they owe it to us, but in the age of transparency, when everybody knows everything, you can get information at the drop of a hat. Do you think that the that the Mavericks and the Blazers handled it the right way?
0: No, because you got to be upfront and honest at the jump. Because you're not. It's not like people are going to find this out five, three or four years from now. Like they already know this information. Mm-hmm. So like you gotta give some some info, like and maybe it maybe you know Mark Cuban is a guy who's like, you know what, I don't I don't owe them any explanation. This is my hire. Oh
3: uh, well, Mark also- Cuban's always gonna do what he wants to do. That's
2: but here's right. the thing though, for both of y'all. You guys know the way it is with the media today, and they're emboldened. Everybody is behind a keyboard. But they'll say if they get into a press conference next year after a game, there could be a reporter looking to make a name for themselves like, oh, hey, Chauncey, what about what happened in uh, you know 2015? Uh, da, 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 da. And then you derail that whole thing. So to me, you do this to get that out of the way. Absolutely. Let me ask you
0: Let me ask you this, Randy. If this was NFL, would they hire those two guys?
2: I think that you can't you – can't, no, they wouldn't. And that's just – that's historically speaking. They don't.
0: Yeah, it's-
3: but let me ask you this. That aside, do you guys like or dislike these hires
2: or feel indifferent in any way? I like the Chauncey hire. I don't think Jason Kidd is a good head basketball coach. I think we saw that. And he had freaking the Bucks. He had Giannis, and he was – you know, what was Giannis when Jason Kidd had him? Nobody right. knows because he wasn't shit. I'm not saying that's all Jason Kidd but I just don't believe in Jason Kidd. I think Chauncey Billups was a floor general when he was with the Pistons and with the Nuggets, and I think he will continue to do that as a coach. He's has What is Chauncey Billups' coaching
0: background? Well, I'll say this: before that even Randy,
2: matter anymore?
3: Yeah, but Randy, you know this. You you watched him whether it was in Detroit or in Denver. Like he was actually, you know, he was called a floor general, and he was a legit. He was always coaching up his team. So he, while he hasn't had actual coaching experience, he's
2: always been a leader of a team and coached the team that he's on. And, and to your to that same, I want to piggyback off that real quick, DB at some point we got to stop retreading all these coaches just because they have coaching experience. You got to get your start somewhere. And I don't mean, you know, and obviously it's, it's big pressure. I'm not going to say pressure. That's the wrong word because Rachel Nichols got in a lot of trouble for saying that, but these guys and players have made it known. They want to have blackhead coaches and they want somebody they feel like they can relate to that's played the game. And these guys fit that bill. Not only are they qualified, they got a background, but I mean, look right now. Everybody wants to fire Mike Budenholzer when he just made the freaking finals. Two, three years ago, you got a coach fired in Toronto after being the going to the finals. I mean, so stop retreading these guys and let's get some new blood in here. Some old players is fine with me. I, I love it.
3: Yeah, and I was with you. Uh Jason Kidd didn't really prove anything, but Chauncey, I mean, I loved him as a player and saw
0: what he did. And like I said, his leadership. I, I like to see it. Let's, big let's shot go Bob. <laughs> So going back to the finals, Suns, Bucks. Randy, who you got? How
2: many games? I'm going to say this. I'm going to go sons and six because I just, if Giannis comes back and he's healthy, I'm going to I, go, I'm gonna go toss up. It's going seven games. Cause I, I think that Milwaukee can do just enough things to disrupt Devin Booker with their length. And with drew holiday, he's a phenomenal defender Middleton can get his. I just don't, see it if Giannis doesn't come back healthy I think that the Suns are going to win this in six Jim
0: who you got how many
3: give me Suns in five and let me go ahead and just add Devin Booker as the NBA Finals MVP
2: okay he's going to be Jay Crowder
0: (laughs) give me give me Suns and give me give me Suns in six and give me CP3 to be the MVP and 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 end it, put put that legacy on, on a mantle.
2: Wait, let me ask y'all a question. CP3 wins the finals. Does he retire? I would. I don't. I don't. I don't I don't, I don't. I don't think he does, but I would because does he's, he feel he like he could a come lot. back next year and win this again? But think yeah. of the, the reason I would
3: is think about how many injuries he he sustains a year, and he's taken a beating for a long time. I mean, all he's been looking for is that elusive championship. He has nothing left to prove. I mean, I would bounce.
0: A, I totally agree. In a stunning turn of events, Cliff Paul is going to replace <laughs> Chris Paul. And Chris Paul will go be a member on Chauncey Billups' coaching staff. There you go. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. You heard, you, you heard it here first. You're first, exactly.
2: In off the bench exclusive.
0: That's right. All right, Jim, give me – you had a chance to go to Omaha, and I'm going to give you just a couple minutes just to – Talk about the atmosphere, the experience and, and what it was like. But also, I mean, there's the NC state COVID situation. There's there's a couple things that we want to wanna address, but talk to us a little bit about that, that whole the two trips you had and, and just the overall experience.
3: Yeah. Um, so you know, the first trip obviously, you know, I got a little feel for it, but it was nothing like the second trip and um just I'm so glad that, that you two guys, along with the other three guys I told you, um, I asked for advice about going back, um, told me to go back. What what an experience. Um, you know, I'll start with the, the NC State thing because I do want to start there. Um, you know, when you see Mississippi State win, you wonder what the difference could have been because NC State had already been the giant slayer. They had already knocked off Arkansas. They were in cruise control, um, and for them to have it just, taken away like that. Um, I mean, you, you felt for them so bad and you saw, if you, if you got on Twitter, you saw college baseball players around the country from other teams saying this wasn't right. They actually, there was a lot of people calling for them to just cancel it all together because it was unfair. Obviously that was something that never would have happened, but I firmly believe the way NC state was playing I think that they would have been able to take one or two from Vandy, and I think that's why people were really salty. And then if you look onto what happened with social media, the NC State fans immediately jumped on and said, we're with Mississippi State all the way because of that. But getting into the games, um, let me give Texas a shout-out, man. You know, I watched them beat Tennessee, you know, um, at first, and then I watched them give Mississippi State hell. Ty Madden can absolutely pitch, man. That dude is going to be – lead at the next level. Um, the one good thing I can say about, you know, that that first loss to Texas by Mississippi State, rain delay, 1 a.m., man, stayed there. Cade Smith out of South Haven came in, man, struck out both guys, got out of the inning. Um, and then Mississippi State actually made it interesting at the end. But um, that showed you how great that atmosphere was. That was probably my favorite moment other than w- them winning boys. Um, the Texas and Mississippi State fan bases, guys, they stayed out there till 1am after a rain delay and it got loud in there with just maybe the 5,000 that were left. And that was pretty cool. And so, uh, yeah, shout out to Texas. Um, you know, Vandy, I think it got exposed that, you know, they got pitchers, but they can't hit right. And when the, the Mississippi state arms got going and, you know, shout out Houston Harding, who we got coming on the show here in a, in a couple of weeks, you know, obviously Landon Sims closing it down. Um, and then, I mean, Will Bednar, guys, I mean, you know, he was supposed to pitch in the Cape this summer. Guess who's not going to the Cape this summer because there's no reason to. His postseason was absolutely phenomenal. And so, to, to see him, um, I have a question for, you know, I don't care which one of you guys go. I guess, I guess I'll – you know, I'll go with you, Randy, just, just because. Bednar has seven innings no hitter in that game three. Nine-nothing lead. You know –
2: was the right move made pulling him? No. Absolutely not. The kid had a chance. He's been historic all of the regional, especially in the World Series. You got a, a chance in an, to win a college world championship. You got a chance to throw a no-no. Leave the kid in the game. I mean, what?
0: Yeah. It, the score is what was the really the, the factor. It wasn't like it was a one-run one run game. They had a big cushion. It wasn't a save situation. It was just we need to get our second best arm on the mound.
2: Like, Hogwash. Yeah. yeah, I mean
3: he I, wasn't I, even going to give him a chance because I was sitting on um, the first base line. I could see the bullpen and I saw Sims warming up and he was already at the fence ready to come in. Um, It was it, Lamona's had already made the call. So he wasn't even going to give him the shot. I'm not going to criticize a guy who just won a championship, but it is interesting that he didn't give Bednar the chance to do that. But either way, Sims came in and closed the door. And uh, the the one stat I want to speak to, guys, um, you know. No errors. They are the first team. Did y'all know they're the first team in College World Series history to have no defensive errors in and when you think about that, and we talk about our, you know, our boy Cameron James, who, you know, got shifted to third base because of the errors, and Lane Forsyth came in and everything, and then, you know, they weren't the only ones, or he wasn't the only ones having issues. Um, for them guys who go out there and make no errors and, and mistake-free baseball on the biggest stage, I thought that was a, a big deal.
0: Would, Randy, based on NC State and the, the whole COVID situation, would you say that this season has an asterisk on it?
2: No, because we saw, you know, and we talked about this, you know, on sidebar. I don't think you could punish Vandy for being there because it could have been Mississippi State, and Mississippi State would have not – nobody would have forfeited the game, and we saw the two teams take the field. What I hate about it is that regard if Vandy had won, me and Jim talked about this, and we kind of disagreed a little bit, and that's fine. Mississippi State had the opportunity to beat whoever was getting there. They didn't get it taken away from them. They got a chance, and they did their thing. NC State didn't get that opportunity, and that's the cry and shame for those guys. It's heartbreaking that those guys were there at the crux of making a historic run and got it ripped away from them. They're no fault of their own. People can talk about whatever you want to on vaccine. And I don't care about all that. All I know is that they had 25,000, 30,000 people in the stands and nobody gave one shit if they were vaccinated or not. Why do you take it away from those young men that worked all season and made historic runs to get to where they were and then rip it away from them for what?
0: I agree. I mean, I, he, here's what I think is great. Um, they they played the one game with 13 players, and I, I commend them because they could have easily been like, no, we're going to hold off and, and see what's up. We'll take our, our forfeit for the day. But they said, no, F that. We're going to go out there. We're going to make their best guy throw. We're going to put him on the mound. And actually, man, it was a, a really good game. Yeah, I, I, I really wish played.
3: I could remember the guy's name, but the, the, the pitcher for – um, NC State, who wasn't pitching, who only who only pitches and has not batted since high school, he played first base, which he four doesn't for do. Four. four for four. I mean, hey,
0: he did everything he could. He said, "Coach, no, I agree. You, you, you're gonna be playing me in the field next year."
2: He's like that LSU pitcher a couple years back. Told Maneri, "I hit nukes, <laughs> but never hit." <laughs> well, uh, needless
0: to say, you know, Jim, you had a a, a great once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to watch you know some kids that you've had a personal connection with at mississippi state um really live a dream because it's got to be a dream from the moment you you commit to a school like mississippi state to go out there and be able to dogpile at the end and be the the one team that that Ends the season with the win. So yeah, and one
3: of the things that we talked about, um, you know, in regards to Cameron James and Kate Smith, because you know we always had the fun with the 2015-2019, you know, DC debate. Those two kids right there, man, they they won their junior and senior year and uh, you know high school, and then go on and win when they get to college. You know, those kids don't do not know how to do nothing but win. I ain't seen anything but so good good for them. But yeah, it was it was definitely once in a lifetime, my son was, was absolutely all about it. He's diehard Mississippi state. It's going, I got to inject the purple and gold back in his veins for football. Cause I might've got them all mixed up and twisted up now, but um, you know, fellas, I think the three of us need to be there next year. I think uh, that place is amazing. I think our squads are going to be there next year, which will be all the more reason. And I think, and off the finish
0: needs to be covering it. Hey, let's get it paid for Let's do it. So, with that, let's move into our last call. Um, I'll start this thing off, and I'll, I'll just say, Jim, the, the Lightning ended up losing in overtime tonight. Um, they will be back on the ice in a couple days to finish it out at home. Um, I figured you would want to know that more than anything. <laughs> but really, my last call is, you know, and I'll ask you guys because you're in the area, Randy, you especially, Memphis basketball um, penny had a whole a, a busy week last week with the whole magic interview and and the whole you know that thing playing out uh, so I got two questions for you so penny interviewing for Orlando is it good or bad um, obviously he didn't take the job so good for Memphis he's staying but Um, Then secondly, he's hiring Larry Brown
2: as an assistant, good or bad. So I think it's good that he interviewed with the Magic and Memphis fans don't look at it that way. It was a lot of tense moments, Memphis fans, and it brought out the worst. And that's not, uh, you know, something that only Memphis fans do. uh, But they already started hating the guy. If he does this, he'll be worse than John Calipari. That's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous because Penny has done more for the Memphis program You know, we're not talking about, you know, getting to the championship. I understand that. But he means more to this program than John Calipari could ever mean, even if he had won a championship. He's And he lives in Memphis. He stayed in Memphis. I mean, so I hated that. I think it's a compliment. Uh, and, And from all Sham's reports, the magic were almost just giving him the interview as like a courtesy, and he just knocked it out of the park. So what higher compliment can be paid that an NBA front office thought enough to make him a candidate? Whether or not he was a serious candidate, we will never know that. Right. And now the next the next part, Larry Brown. I've said it since the beginning. Uh, Jim, I know Jim agrees. Penny needs a coach talking X's and O's. Larry Brown's not gonna be on that court, you know, doing drills with the big man. He's not, he's like 82 years old. And I don't even think I'm being no, uh, I think you yeah. you're pretty damn uh, yeah. close. I think I'm close. I think that what Larry Brown brings you in the in the just the experience of basketball will mean the world to the staff and to this young kids. What we know is that Penny can get the talent. Penny can coach the talent. Penny can win. What Penny needs a little bit of help in learning, because you got to remember, he's still a young guy, and he's really young in his coaching career, and he's had young guys around him like Mike Miller, Tony Madlock. Those guys have experience, but not as coaches. Larry Brown's got more coaching experience than any of these guys have life experience. Yeah. So, Jim, I'll ask you,
0: is Larry Brown a guy – Because when I I think about Larry Brown, I think of him as the head coach, dynamic, you know, getting out there, like getting the best out of his players. Like, I I don't see him being a guy that sits on the sideline and kind of just kind of watches things happen and kind of says things, you know, in, in timeout. So can he take the role as a guy not being the main guy?
3: I think he can because of the the very age thing we talked about. I mean, he's at a different point in his life. I I think he understands. And I could be 100% wrong. He could go absolutely the opposite way. But I think at his age, I think he just wants to be a part of something great still. And I think he sees the opportunity there. And I think he's going to know his role. And I think um, he's going to fit his role well. And, I mean, you know me. I'm not the most optimistic guy in the world all the time. But I feel like this could be a great thing. Yeah.
2: Hey, Hey, can we talk real quick about – real quick, Penny – What a chess move he made, taking the Magic interview because they weren't going to let him hire Larry Brown. Now he gets to hire him. So he really – he was playing chess, and Larry Beach was playing checkers. And let's be honest, who wants to coach the Orlando Magic? (laughs) Right now, anyway. Well, that's why Brian Hill's been there like three times. They just keep hiring the same guy over and over again.
0: And the new old coach of the Orlando Magic.
3: Hey, hey, Daniel. So, a quick note, man. I forgot to mention it in regards to Omaha and Randy's going to love this. Um, I wanted to say that the most obnoxious thing in sports, uh, some there's something more obnoxious than Gary Danielson calling a CBS sports game, and that's the whistler from Vanderbilt. Um, that dude, he's terrible. But Mississippi State found a way to drown him out. Thank God.
0: I I can only imagine. But yeah, y'all talk bad about Larry Brown being old, like. Y'all making me think he's going to be taking naps on the side. Of <laughs> he might, he might have a nap pod. Yeah. All right. Randy, last call, man. What, what do you want to talk about?
2: I think I brought it up on the show before. Uh, it's a heart touching story. Um, you know, the great tight end Greg Olson, his son, TJ, uh, was born with congenital heart failure. Uh, he was also twin sister. She was good. Uh, so obviously Greg Olson shared heartbreaking news, uh, several months back, That it was nearing an end. And just to read those words as a father, like the three of us are, is heartbreaking. It brings tears to my eyes just reading it and thinking about it. Um, But TJ got on a wait list and he was able to get his heart transplant. Uh, He's been in for, you know, I think eight or 10 days now, and all signs are to the positive. Don't know how long he's going to be in there, but, you know, just, you know, obviously they've been strong in their faith. And the one thing that Greg Olson um, and his wife, Kara, did that really made this go is when they found out that TJ had this disease. They started a foundation, um, I think it was called the Hardest Yard, and it was for families that did not have the financial means that Greg Olson does. Obviously, he's got a lot of money, right? But he understands that he's in a position that a lot of people aren't. So he starts this foundation, and now a lot, hundreds of kids have received hearts based on him and his wife's charity work. So to see a guy that not only talks the talk for his own child but walks the walk for kids that he will never meet probably, uh, that's the kind of guy that I think needs to be the ambassador for the sport and it's obviously the happy ending that we we're all hoping for. So as, as a dad and as a fan, Greg Olson, salutes to you.
0: Shout out. That's what's up. All right, Jim. Last call, man. What you got? Well, first, I gotta agree with Randy, man. That stuff started
3: trying to bring me into tears, man. Stuff like that to get to you. But um, don't
2: go watch his Twitter videos.
3: <laughs> but but two things, one's a real quick one. Um, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, we, we talk about Cameron James, Keegan James, fellas. Um, He's done pitch 14 games this year. He is 3-0 and with a 1.91 ERA and 33 strikeouts with a 1.09 whip. He is absolutely tearing it up. Um, And to touch on when he came on our episode and all he cares about is his younger siblings, his dad said when he went to talk to him about it, he said he didn't want to talk about that because he's not taking the shine from Cam right now. So um, that dude meant everything he said. So shout out to Keegan getting it done. I think he's fixing to get the call up. Very very going soon, going yeah, but on. uh, but the the big headline thing, um, you know, for what we miss is the name, image, and likeness, guys. Right? It's it's been a long time coming. It's finally here. Um, I, I feel like it's taken too long to get here, and so athletes can now, um, finally profit. The the big noteworthy thing will be, you know, the schools still have the ultimate say on what it is they can do so every school is going to be different on what these kids can do but nonetheless they're going to have the opportunity to finally profit and you know we know the back we've been our show's predicated on talking to kids in their background right we know that some of them come from nothing and so it's an opportunity for them to get something
0: to take care of their family and not just go to school yeah i it's so new like i don't know i need somebody to Talk to me about like what are the parameters? Like what can you get paid for? What well, and that's the thing. Your fee e- as like each
3: school is going to be each school is going to be different. But you know, um, we 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 talked about this earlier uh, when we were just having a discussion. You know, those who are big on social media right off the bat because those people normally get paid. When you have big TikTok or Instagram accounts, you normally get paid for that. You know, LeBron James, for instance, gets gets paid. You know big bucks because he's got so many well now if you have a big following and you do posts and you get x amount of you know like shares all that stuff you actually get paid for that stuff so those are the kind of things and then of course um you know i know for for fact um i've seen a couple already start to get like protein you know you know uh, advertising for protein shakes and stuff like that so there's going to be a lot of things out there there's going to be things um you know they were they were quick to say that you know they're not going to be able to do like alcohol for instance which if you're a smart college athlete um that's something I would stay away from anyway even if it is paying you money but there's gonna be different parameters on all that and each team's going to be able to do it but uh there, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for kids and
2: like I said for some of them they're coming with an they really need it Randy? breaking news we got to do a whole segment next week on the Nil because y'all know obviously financial that's that's my bank I love sports but the fact that they're tied together is what I really like. So what I want to do next week, and you, you, we'll do this together, right? Well, let's bring the top ten collegiate athletes that are going to get the bag first. Ooh, I like it. Okay. Let's do it. That'll It needs to
0: be
3: Cameron James and Connor Pavloni as much as I've seen their face on Instagram this year.
2: Yeah, GQ's already got Connor and Cam signed up. They're, you know, guest jeans, whatever these guys do, you know i saw connor the snow coming down i'm like what in the world's going on here
0: crazy crazy well hey i'm looking forward to that you know tonight was a was a great episode as always we want to give a shout out and thanks to devin fontenot for joining us and regardless of what he decides whether it's to come back to lsu or he you know take a spot in the draft he will be a pro baseball player there's no doubt in my mind he's got everything he's got the the mindset he's got the tools he's got the talent he, he's got the work he's got the drive so it's just a matter of when for that guy and, and i i expect great things out of him and hopefully who knows we will bring him back on to, to talk to us about it but if you like hearing you like hearing us average joe's talk x's and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple podcast spotify and anchor as always your comments ratings and feedback is always welcome We're going to see everyone next week for episode 17, where we're going to have former Houston National Baseball player and former Mississippi State player Jacob Billingsley on the show to join us. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.